Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I treasure days of preaching like today um, because you had every excuse to roll over and go back to sleep and you chose not to. Uh, the darkness, the early of the hour, the loss of sleep, maybe your coffee maker wasn't set with, and, but these are days where you chose to be here, you wanted to be here, you decided to be here, and, and we get to sit in this beautiful place and meditate for a little bit on who God is, who we are, and what this is all about. And we get to do it looking through the eyes of St. John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, maybe they went into the city to, to, to buy the food and, and, and get the, the water, but John, John is forever showing us real people in real places with real things going on in their lives. The meeting of people in John's gospel that are not in other, that are not in the synoptic gospels really lead us to reflect a little bit on God's place in our lives and, and how God connects us into community. And it achieves the purpose of John's writing. That in seeing these people, we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing, have life in His name. I don't know about you, but last week after Pastor's excellent sermon on Nicodemus, I, it, it seems I saw Nicodemus everywhere on campus this week. He's been around. He sits at the edge of our Bible study groups. He, he listens intensely, doesn't talk too much or ask an inane question to make himself look smart. He, he just sucks in the Scripture like the sponge. Nicodemus is that guy I, I experience who's, who's a smart guy and a connected guy. Someone who processes the Scripture very, very deeply, but has an itch in his heart. He's trying to figure his life out, the, the purpose and the meaning of what he's doing and who he is and and the message of Jesus in those studies and, and in the preaching that he hears pushes Nicodemus along and challenges the underpinnings of his life. Nicodemus is here. He's here this morning. He's sitting in our pew. There's a little bit of Nicodemus in your pastor. And Nicodemus, well, he's welcome at St. John's. He doesn't need to fill out a card and say, I'm here. It's it's okay. I just want Nicodemus to know he's welcome this morning, questions and all. So in John chapter 4, we stop in Sychar on the way to the cross, a little, a little place, an out-of-the-way place, a, a place that's been conquered and captured, and, and the ethnicity of the peoples, a little mixed to say the least. And it, It'd be like Driving from here, through Palm Springs, through Cathedral City, climbing the Chiriaco Summit, going past the Patton Museum, and stopping at that Chevron station for a bottle of Gatorade on your way to Phoenix. Or, or driving 
from here to Vegas and, and you get to Baker and your spouse says, it's, I got to stop. And you say, no, we just got 10 minutes, 135 outside. Get your Gatorade, go potty and let's, let's go. Just that kind of place. Sychar, Sychar was a place where the disciples could get their water, grab some food, go to 7-Eleven or Jack in the Box, get a quick touch and go, and, and certainly not start a revival or do anything. Just kind of stop, start, and was why would you want to connect in community with people like this? These are not the people. So Jesus in our text goes to the well, he sits down, he chills out, he needs something to drink and, 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 and this woman arrives in the heat of the day by herself to draw water. I can imagine them exchanging pleasantries, hey how's it going, what's up, it's kind of hot, yeah it's great, kind of dusty here in Sychar today, thank God Jacob dug the well. She observes that while he's thirsty, it's hot and he has nothing to draw with. And he asks her that simple question, will you give me a drink? And then the conversation goes deeper. He talks about water that lasts forever and bubbles up into eternal life. He convinces her that that water is better than anything that's ever going to come out of that well. He tells her to go get her husband. And with that... I can picture her eyes going down, her shoulders kind of slinking over, and she says, yeah, Jesus, that's, that's not going to happen. John's words in the text are, well, I have no husband. And then Jesus, instead of delivering this compassion and putting his arm around her and saying, you know what, it's okay, you know, that's kind of how it is, life's tough, is, 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 he puts his thumb on the sore of her life. He says, you know, it's right, you don't have one husband, you've had five. And the fellow you're with now, he's not even your husband. Oh. Why can't Jesus just let it alone? She doesn't need to be kicked anymore. My goodness, she's been kicked to the curb five times. And the guy she's with now, what a... So she comes to draw in the middle of the day, perhaps so she doesn't have to see anybody else. Maybe one of her exes, maybe, maybe someone who knows where she's come from. Seems to me in John's gospel, Jesus has a way of doing this. At night with Nicodemus, searching for meaning, he, he, he gets right to the heart of the issue. He says, you can't be born again unless you're born of the water of the Spirit. And again, Nicodemus goes, you've got to be kidding me, what are you talking about? And here Jesus begins to talk about her life and her past. He knows. He knows. He wouldn't have said anything if he didn't know. He knew. He knows. He knows. He knows who you are. He knows what you have done. He knows your past. He knows. He knows that one little piece of your life that is an open sore for you. He knows. He knows that when that little piece is touched, that it brings out either anger that is a, a stiff right jab to the nose that says, don't talk to me about that, and I want to go there, or it elicits this deep hurt 
perhaps a sense of shame that something so private and so painful is drawn out for conversation. He knows. He knows. And perhaps that's a liberating thought for Nicodemus, for the woman at the well, for Nicodemus sitting in the pews, for the woman at the well sitting in the pews this morning. Perhaps it's liberating to know that that the Lord Jesus knows us and He knows what we know even so much more about us. And He loves us. It's interesting that she deflects that. She, she didn't want to talk about it. She didn't want to discuss it. She wants to brush it off. She said, well, let's talk about worship. You Jews say on this mountain, we say it really doesn't matter. We're, we're all good. But Jesus brings her back. He knows her fears. He knows her insecurities. He knows where she's been. And he continues to lead her closer to himself. Sometimes we may think that if someone were really to find out what we're all about, what's really in our heart, that they wouldn't care for us or like us. That somehow if someone knew where we'd been and what we'd done or, or what a kid had done or what a spouse had done or what we'd done at work, what we do in the quiet of our house, if they found out that they wouldn't care for us or we couldn't be in community with them. And if they find out, then they'll tell somebody. And if they tell somebody, they'll tell somebody else. And then all of our business will be out there for everybody to see. And we'll be found out and moved out into a different strata of community. We, we won't be able to kind of be sucked into where things are nice and warm, but we'll have to deal with the prickly, painful things of life. When what we really dearly want is belonging, being loved, and not being alone. We want to be accepted in community. To have someone sit with us and say, I know where you've been. And I love you. And I accept you. There's one little piece of this text, a little grammatical thing that, that I kind of like. And, and, and <laughs> it's, it's, it's a Greek construct. It's, it's a little word called day. D-E-I. Day. And, and it's translated, it is necessary. Now, I'm trying to figure out why it was necessary for, G, for Jesus to go to Sychar. Like, why would it be necessary to stop at the Chiriaco Summit, right? You, you, you put a little cooler in your car, you drive straight to Phoenix. Maybe you have to stop at Buckeye for a potty break. But you're good, right? You get to go. Why? You don't have to stop in Baker, you can make it all the way to the state line. It doesn't matter. Why does Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, why in the world does He have to stop? Why is it necessary for Him to stop in this piddly nowhere place? Perhaps the purpose is so that wom that woman would know He was the Christ, that there would be a revival in that town. But even more, that we who sometimes feel like we're at the fringe of community, we who sometimes feel lonely and disconnected, perhaps it's that we 2,060 years later or so would be able to see that Jesus leads us into a relationship with himself and leads us into community 
on the far reaches of culture, ethnicity, gender. Here is Jesus, the Christ, leading a lost person into the foundness of faith in the Christ. Jesus, he, he leads her into community with that dialogue. He makes a marvelous comment to her affirmation. It's, it's beautiful, right? She says, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming into the world, and when he comes, we're going to get the answers to everything we need. She kind of says, well, if, if we just chill out and hang out, have a cup of water, we'll, we'll get through this awkward conversation, and it'll all be good because God's sending Christ into the world. And then Jesus, he, he turns and I, and I wonder what the body language was like. He said, I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you am he. Jesus the Christ. He invited her and he invites you into community. He looks beyond your past. He looks beyond your sin. He comes to you in your life where you sit, where you work, where you play, where you hurt, where you thrive. Wherever you are, there is Jesus. And He invites you into deeper community with God and in a deeper connection to other people. To Nicodemus, he, he used a lesson from Sunday school. He said, do you remember when Moses lifted up the snake in the desert? All the snakes were hissing and killing the people. And, and he said, put a snake on a staff and look and people will be saved. Nicodemus goes, that's right. And then Jesus said, that's me. The Son of Man will be lifted up. And he will draw all humanity unto himself. To the woman at the well. To the one who is broken inside. He speaks not of a bronze snake, but of living water, water that bubbles up to eternal life. And she says, you don't have anything to, to, to bring the water up with. What do you got? He says, here's what it is. He says, There's this water that I have, is, it, it, it brings purity and life. See, what is washed is washed with water. So Jesus comes to you with the living water of the gospel this morning. That water that percolates in our hearts, it purifies our hearts, it washes away our sins, it draws us into community with God through faith in Jesus, the Christ. And the water gives life. Your past doesn't define you. Jesus has taken care of that. What defines you is the love of Christ. Redefining us away from sin and death and impurity. He enfolds us with His love and His forgiveness and His grace. Enfolding us into the community of the church. And here, you belong with Jesus. Here, you belong with other people. You do. You, you belong. This is the place where, where you belong. And as sure as that water brings purity, it also brings life. Water from the well kept the flocks and the herds watered. But the living water of Jesus Christ enlivens you. Grace is the fuel of our lives. Not judgment, not guilt. Grace, forgiveness is the fuel of the Christian's life. 
It's what leads us to be gracious, to be able to forgive ourselves, to release ourselves from the past, to be able to lift our heads to the Lord and say, I know that you love me and you care for me because there you are on the cross, through Sychar on the way to the cross. And we are revitalized in that, fueled by the love of Jesus with the roots running deep in the living water of Jesus' sacrifice for us. Water brings purity. Water brings life. It's not been an easy season of ministry at St. John's. I like to say you know what you know, but you don't know what you don't know. I, lo I, loved, I love to say that. I didn't invent that at crazy calculus professor is kind of gruff. I'm not even sure if he's a Christian said that, but he's a smart guy. We know what we know. We know that VBS is coming. We know that we got concerts. We know we have worship. I know for a fact that at 930, someone's going to show up for church and go, oh yeah, it's time change this week, huh? So yeah, have a cup of coffee and a donut. It's all good. We know what we know on Sunday morning, and that's cool, but there's stuff that we don't know that goes on here all the time. Nicodemus comes onto campus. He, he, he doesn't necessarily come through the back door there. Sometimes he's on our website. He, he hits a Bible study or he hits a sermon and, and Nicodemus tries to figure it out because he's looking for meaning. And someone has said, if you hit this, if you look at that, if you get this, you'll get it. And Nicodemus sits in his Dodge truck trying to figure out the meaning of his existence. And the woman at the well, where she's here too. She's here in the architecture and the art of this building. She's here. Maybe she's in Bible class on Thursday morning with 75 to 90 other women. And she don't talk much because she don't want to give any answers for where she's been and what brought her to that Bible study. Maybe she's a mom with a preschooler who has a little bit of a sordid past. And she's found a refuge in the yellow room and the other moms decked out in Lululemon and Nikes. But underneath that veneer of wealth and opulence, there's a broken heart. Yesterday, the woman at the well was here. She started as a little girl in our kindergarten. She was baptized into Jesus through the percolating water of, of baptism. She went through our school, worshiping weekly at chapel, sitting where you're sitting, learning, growing, becoming more and more effervescent every day. She's outgoing, beautiful little girl who matriculated to Orange Lutheran, and she's a good athlete playing soccer and softball. She was a hub for community herself. People liked her. But there was something going on. She went to the doctor not long ago. Well, in her short life, it was long ago, four years ago. The doctor looked and said, you're very sick. As a matter of fact, you're dying. Maybe you have two years, maybe you have four. I'm not sure, but you're dying and there's not much we can do. She was going to see Jesus. She hadn't been around much since she graduated from Lutheran High. Her life had gotten very difficult. She was headstrong. 
As a young girl, she was headstrong. <laughs> and that was both a blessing and a curse. She could put her head down and go through any goal or any challenge that was out there. But sometimes things broke with her being so strong. And then at the end, she remembered where she had come from. She was reconnected online and she was visited in her home and prayed for. She was given profound support by her family, especially her mom and her grandma, both women at the well, who knew what it was like to be at the edge of community, but provided community for this young lady as her body kind of withered away from the cancer. She was commended to the care of the Lord Jesus and reminded of her baptism and the living water. And when she was prayed with, when, when she was spoken to about faith in Jesus, her hands would, would, would grip the hand of the one who was praying with her. And while the tears would flow, there was this sense of confidence that she wasn't alone, that people were with her, that it was going to be okay. Recalled for her was her place in community with Jesus. And her life was covered with the grace of God. She was the woman at the well. Know that Christ is coming. I who speak to you am He, Jesus said. The doctor said you're going to pass away and it's going to be really difficult. And she said, but I've been baptized into Christ and I am not alone nor will I ever be and I think about the conversations of life that we organize and program for in our church and there's a lot from Ash Wednesday to Easter not counting the school use of our facilities over 527 different appointments on this campus that we plan for. Architects and designers come in, they say, you people are nuts. You are wearing your campus out from the inside out. <laughs> right. That's what we do. We have a growing program and the numbers of people involved in our program are impressive. The largest Lutheran school, K to 8, preschool to 8, in the nation. But there's more. We have a place where Nicodemus can poke at community and be safe. We have a place where a woman at a well with a past can sit in our community and find grace and mercy rather than judgment and guilt. What if this place, a, a place that is deep and refreshing, that is architecture to match the story of John chapter 4? What if building program is the way that we open the door to the conversations that come by Nicodemus at night or in the middle of a hot day? by a well and what if people who truly need the community that comes in Jesus the Christ what if they find it here and in that moment where they need to be connected to God the most 
They can come back to a moment in this place at a specific time with specific people around them and be reminded that they matter to God and that they are knit into community with other people. And what if like Jesus, instead of offering a a, a, a wrap upside the head, What if we offer them a little living water, a little grace to refresh their spirit, and a little love to let them know that they belong? Nicodemus is here. Maybe you're him this morning. And the woman at the well, well, she's here too. And maybe there's a little bit of you that sits by that well every day. And you're here, and you're connected, and you're dialed in. You know who else? You know who else is here this morning? To deliver living water that percolates, purifies, and revives your soul? Jesus. The Nazarene. Jesus, who is the Christ. He is here so that you may believe who he is. And that by believing, have life in his name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.